Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. And we're just going to say right off the bat, happy life day, everybody. Today yes. is life day. Happy life day. And it is life day. And uh, so, and guys, I actually, I was going to watch the, um, the latest episode of The Mandalorian again, just to refresh my memory. That's when I realized that the, the uh, holiday special is on Disney Plus. So my wife and I watched that as we were eating dinner. So, uh, so we can talk about it later, but it was very cute. It was very cute. Um, so as always uh, on this podcast is Dave Gladow and Fredo Navrez. I just mispronounced your last name. Narvez. <laughs> yes. Good Lord. It's been a while. See, I just, why did I, it's because I went Gladow and then I had to, it, and it's such a difficult name, Fredo. I know, I know. Trust me. Actually, I know. it's just that I'm dumb. So no, no. this is Alfredo Narvez. Yeah, if it was just you, I'd be upset, but it's not just you. So, well, I, I, to let live with it. Yeah. I could correct you on my last name, <laughs> make you feel even worse. Well, okay, so how's your how's yours pronounced then? It's it's like shadow. Glado. What did I say? Gladow. I didn't think that's not how I pronounce it. If I did, I apologize for that. But I'm not going to mess up this next one because we have a special guest. Uh, she is back. She is our. This is our first return guest, isn't it? Oh. Yes, it is. Well, we kind of well, we kind of strong armed her into this because you know when we when we had Brittany on the last time, she had big news that she couldn't tell us anything about. So I anyway, <laughs> so the voice you're hearing is Brittany Williams. Um, she is a New Orleans-based actor and writer who has performed in a wide range of stage productions in Hong Kong, London, New York, Washington. We need to talk about those sometime. That, I want to okay. know about that. And here <laughs> in New Orleans, uh, she's a regular contributor to the Black Nerd Problems website, which tackles pop culture from a more diverse group of minds. And most relevant of all of this podcast, she is a giant Star Wars fan. And what we're going to be talking about tonight, she has a story in the newly released Star Wars short story collection from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back. Welcome, Brittany, to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. And, uh, Happy to be here. Yeah. And, and, and as always, we all have, well, Fredo doesn't have a dog. His family has dogs. But we if dogs start barking, yours... Yes. Dave Gladows. No, I mispronounced it. That, yeah. Now you got now me you thinking. Glado. 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 So not Al. Oh. Glado. Oh. All right. Well, I'm going oh, to then quiz Dave I'm Glado. going to quiz you all oh. on Swoboda sometime. <laughs> so uh, I, I, me I actually, with the easiest name, the quintessential eighties American name, Brittany Williams. <laughs> There you go. You know, I, I actually, I, I had to tell this story um, uh, to somebody this week, and it was the most interesting thing, you know, back when um, communism fell in Eastern Europe, back in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, that whole time, um, I opened up Time Magazine. I was 17 years old. I was, you know, junior, going on to be a senior in high school, opened up Time Magazine, and there were people, they showed people all over Eastern Europe holding up signs of my name. Because Svoboda means freedom in the Slavic languages. So it means the same thing in Russian, in Czech, in, um, you know, all. So I see people show, holding up these signs and 17-year-old Aaron went, that's neat. And then threw it off to the side and went on to do whatever. And I'm like, to this day, and I, you know, I worked for Google for, you know, two and a half years. And I still have not been able to find those, those images. Oh, no. They have to be somewhere. But uh, yeah, so anyway. 
That's such a 17 year old thing to do too. Right. It's like, like it's this amazing moment worldwide. And you're just like, eh, okay, cool. Chuck yeah. it in the bin. Yeah. My name, everybody's <laughs> holding my name and it's like, whatever. Um, so anyway, yeah, well, we're going to be talking about from a certain point of view, but we have to, first of all, and we're also a little bit later going to be getting into, uh, the Mandalorian, the newest episode. We're all going to geek out over that, but we've got to get, we got to get out of Aaron screwing up names and, uh, we've got to get to, uh, do some trivia to get our brains wrapped around some, uh, Star Wars stuff. So Dave, without the last name. Yes. Now, now you got, I'm in my head. If I was a, if I was, if I was a kicker, I'd be shanking everything, and it'd be hitting the goalposts, and yeah. So, all right. First one I look at: What youngster takes one look at R2D2 and says, "Wow, a real astro droid? How'd you get so lucky?" Oh man, is that um? See, that's what you get for shaming me for mispronouncing yeah. your name. That's what you get. <laughs> Was that was that, was that kid's name uh, Kitster? Ah, uh, it is Kitster. Yes, it is. Right. You suppose he was the child of Kit Fisto? Maybe I Brittany would be able to not. tell us now. She's I, worked with the no, story group. Know. Maybe she'll have inside information. I have all the secrets. Call Pablo Hidalgo. He'll let us know. Right. Um, all right. So, Dave, way to start us off. Um, see, I didn't start with you, Brittany, because I didn't want to, you know... <laughs> Jesus, I, I might not get this one. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> well, I'm going to make you sweat a little bit longer. Here, Fredo, here's right. yours. Right. Who suggests that it would be cheaper to buy a new Starship than a replacement T-14 hyperdrive generator? Hmm. Makes me think. Makes me think. Because you, you went back to back to the Phantom Menace. Exactly. Yeah, see, you're, okay, you're you're, yeah. you're in the right you're yeah. in the right one. Know which one it is. Uh, okay, I'm gonna take a total stab in the dark because I can't quite place it. Uh, gonna say Watto. Oh wow! Wait, yeah, you're just playing, right? You're just like oh, I don't know no. if I know the right. Yeah, it's Watto. No, 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 no. Because no. <laughs> honestly, the image that the, the the scene that was popping in my head was Obi Wan standing next to the Harpy Drive. So that's why I was like, is it Obi-Wan? Is it Watto? I couldn't remember. Which I never thought that's what a hyperdrive would look like. It just looked like wall art. But anyway, all right. And as I remember right, that was Brittany's least favorite movie of yeah. all of them. All right. Yeah. No, I, don't, I didn't mean to bring, you know, bad memories up. <laughs> bad memories up. <laughs> all right. So, well, I, you, okay. So here's your question then, Brittany. What nighttime ceremony in The Phantom Menace is what? a I, I, the rule is is I read the first one I see, and that's what that's what it is. All right. So what time? What nighttime ceremony in the Phantom Menace is attended by members of the Jedi Council as well as Chancellor Palpatine? What nighttime ceremony? I mean, is, is it Qui Gon's funeral? It is Qui Gon's funeral. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. I was there like, I don't know. I watched this movie once. <laughs> So, so that was, I remember that being, I, that was like before, just as the internet was actually getting to be, you know, kind of usable and interesting really, you know, but that was, that was like the spoiler that everybody got. They got that when they got the CD of right, I did. the soundtrack. It was like my friend, and then my friend spoiled it for me because he called me. It was like, 
dude, the last track is called Qui-Gon's Funeral. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. Boo. So that, that all required buying a CD, calling somebody on the phone, and yeah. giving that spoiler. So that was very 90s. All right. Calling somebody on a landline, too. It was. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Oh, landlines. All Interrupting right. people's AOL. <laughs> so uh, the first one I read, and it's another Phantom Menace. Uh, what Jedi is 25 standard years old in The Phantom Menace? I ha- I'm just going with the most obvious answer there. I have no clue. But I'm going to say Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, that's Obi-Wan. So apparently it's 25 in that show. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, he's such an old Padawan. Right? Right. But he was he was ready for the trials, though. You know. So um, cool. Well, all right. Well, there our brains are all now. We're, let's talk about the Phantom Menace. See, it's bait and switch here. We're gonna. <laughs> this is our Phantom Menace watch show. You didn't know that. the heck with the book uh, <laughs> so i got first of all again the book is the empire strikes back from a certain point of view um is there any chance that i'll be able to get you to get to make a sign to sign this copy would that be possible at some time yeah i'm i, I i'm <laughs> trying to figure out when because i have so many copies to sign um I'm, but yeah i well, I, I, will, it, I will definitely sign it for you <laughs> we'll, we'll figure something out and i'll sign it <laughs> Well, it, you know, my my copy has has been around the block a couple of times because we were supposed to get it on Brit- my wife, Brittany. Um, she pre-ordered it. And so it was supposed to get to us on Saturday. Right. It was, yeah, it was Saturday. And um, then she checked the tracking and it was, well, yeah, OK. So it arrived in New Orleans and then got shipped to Atlanta what? and then got <laughs> shipped back to New Orleans. So we got it like yesterday afternoon so um so i i did i read i've only read yours in here so fredo's probably read the whole book but uh not not quite not quite i picked mine up yesterday i went to uh fabian coos picked it up Mm -hmm. uh uh, read brits first and i've read a few others it's one of the things i actually do like about an anthology like this you can hopscotch around Mm -hmm. you know you know you're not bound so i read the last one which was kind of funny and then i read uh (laughs) Gary with us wrote two. Except, uh, actually, we'll we'll talk about that one another day. So you know, except that it when I read the first one, it was kind of fun to. I I didn't realize that in in the first one that it was going to follow the timeline. I mean, I Mm -hmm. knew it was going to be a bunch of short stories based on, but it's like it followed a New Hope, you know, step Mm -hmm. for step. It was just, you know people who are off in the distance or something like that. So, yeah. um, and I'll ask a question about your, because your, your short story does something kind of interesting, um, yeah. where we'll, we'll talk about that later, but, um, uh, I do want I just want to ask, first of all, because like I said, you came on the show and you, we knew you were going to be writing this short story just recently announced. Um, and you couldn't tell us anything. Nope. So <laughs> now can you, can you walk us through just kind of, uh, first of all, just kind of an overall umbrella of the process. Like how did you get, selected just kind of just kind of walk us through you don't have to go through all the nuts and bolts but uh yeah so uh basically um i i like to think of it as like that quintessential um 
opportunity meets preparation. So uh, last October, I signed with a literary agent who um, uh, I've been working on an original manuscript with. So when time came around and I like started hearing like, oh, they're looking for people to do the next anthology. I was like, hey, Allie, my agent, can you just send like, tell them that I have, you know, I do stuff and I want to do this. And I had a piece of writing to show them. Uh, even if it wasn't, isn't, hasn't been published yet, it's like a polished piece of writing. Um, and then I got the invitation to come on in. Um, I think like 15 minutes after I told them, yes, I absolutely wanted to be in the anthology. I was like, hey, can you ask them if I can do L3 slash the Millennium Falcons POV? <laughs> and they were like, sure. And I was like, yes, I can't believe that. Um, so you, so you called, you called, uh, you called Wookie on on this. Have you ever seen Fanboys? No. Oh no, it's they called Chewbacca, right? They called instead right. of instead of calling Shotgun, they called Chewbacca. <laughs> so so you called right. Chewbacca on L three. Okay, all right. I was cool. like I was like I need to do it. I was like I need to do it. It was it just it made so much sense. It was perfect, and I like had a whole list of all these other characters. I was like digging deep for characters to write and. So I was like, there's no way they'll let me do this. Like, I'd love to do it, but there's no way they're going to let me, like, write from the POV of the Millennium Falcon. Like, nobody will let me do that. And I was like, but you know what? Let me just try. So they did. And it was fantastic. Um, yeah. And, like, the process, uh, you, you have, like, a deadline when you have to send in your first draft. Uh, the editors at Delray... Uh, have their own sets of notes. And you may go back and forth with them, like, a time or two. Uh, they send it off to Lucasfilm for like ultimate approvals from story group. And then you may like do another, like kick the story back and forth a couple more times. And once you've, um, once it, everybody's satisfied with where it is, then you don't hear from anybody or see it until you get like the final proofs where you can go through and look at how it's laid out in the book. And then next thing you know, you're getting the book. So uh, and wait, an earlier step that I forgot, you have to um, pitch them, you have to send them a story pitch, like what you want to do with the character. And that pitch has to be approved before you can even start writing. So I had to pitch like what my L3 story was going to be. So I want to get this out real quick then, because I, I, I know Dave sent you the notes of kind of what we wanted to talk about. And I don't know if that you looked mm -hmm. at one of these things and going, what in the hell is he talking about? No. Uh, <laughs> to, because to me, as I was reading this last night, um, and I told my wife this morning as we're, you know, brushing our teeth and whatnot, and I said, it reminded me of The Others. Have you ever mm -hmm. seen that movie, The Others? Yes. Okay. Yes, so, I have. you know, the if you, movie. right. If you don't know the premise, people listening, if you don't know the premise, it's like it really makes you think of ghosts differently because it's like when you're, when you think you're being haunted because somebody's opening the, the, because the, your curtains keep opening, it's just the other people who are living there keep opening the curtain. And so it mm -hmm. read to me like, you know, even though you're talking about them as the three droids, the Millennium Collective, and we'll talk more about that later, but it was, they're always, well, first of all, it's kind of creepy because they're, you know, they're, they're watching all the human interaction moving around. And there's times where L3 is trying to get people's attention. I mean, am right. I, I'm right because at the, the, the mm -hmm. one point she actually is like, oh, here, let me manipulate stuff so that you're, you know, I can get you mm -hmm. to go find Lando because I want to, you know. Um, but like I said, it read kind of like a ghost story. Not in a spooky ghost mm -hmm. story, but yeah. you know the droids. Sometimes they they talk to C three PO, 
Right. But otherwise, they 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 have to try to get their point across. So I guess that was my thought. So was this story that you wrote, was that always the story you wanted to write about L3? And um, when did when did that start flowing around your head? It was before you got the gig. But I guess, yeah. Yeah, so um, <laughs> this, I actually didn't have this particular story floating around in my head before I even requested L3. I was just like, let me ask for the character and then I'll figure out what to do with it. And I had like all these ideas. I was like, oh, the Millennium Falcons computer is going to like hack into the Cloud City Central computer. And then they're like going to hack into Lobot and he's going to be like start saying stuff that sounds like L3. And Lando's going to be like, oh, my God, L3. And then it's going to be this great thing. And <laughs> bless, bless her. Elizabeth at uh, Delray was like, you can't do that. <laughs> I was like, but but it's cool. And she was like, no, you can't, you can't have them take over Lobot. Um, they can't, the Millennium Falcon can't actually talk to any other like computer system unless it's plugged in to the Millennium Falcon. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I realized that I had to, I had chosen to write a story about a bunch of characters who actually can't do anything. So, <laughs> so that's why it ended up being more of a ghost story. So it, um, uh, instead of just kind of being stuck on what they can't do physically, I focused on what they can do. And what they can do is they can observe, they can talk. And as soon as somebody plugs in, they can talk to that person or that uh, droid who's plugged in. So, of course, we had to get that quintessential um, C-3PO line like, yeah, I don't know where your computer learned, to, where your ship learned to talk, but it has the most peculiar dialect. And um mm. And thankfully, there was a droid who uh, who could also plug in that wasn't because R two doesn't plug in to the Millennium Falcon in this movie at all, which is frustrating. <laughs> um, but uh, the Treadwell droid from the very beginning of the movie that we see just like trundling around on top of the Falcon, mm -hmm. so I had a chance to to bring him in as another character and someone else for them to talk to. And um, I think for me the. <laughs> I was really disturbed by what happened to L3 at the end of Solo. And I wanted, um, for me personally, I wanted to make sure that, I wanted to write that she was okay. Like, sure, being stuck in the Millennium Falcon isn't an ideal situation, but I wanted to show that it's not a fate worse than death for her, that like she's, um, she's still herself and that, um, fire she had to help other droids understand that they're more than just like workhorses for organics. I wanted her to kind of be able to do that with the other brains that are inside the Millennium Falcon. So helping them find their own identities and kind of creating this whole little sisterhood inside the ship. And yeah, I just wanted, I wanted to write I wanted to write a little happy story for me and for everybody who loves L3. So. And you know what, actually, it and actually, you, you mentioned how it, you know, could have hacked into Lobot and then, you know, they then Lando and L3 could have connected again. But it's one of those, you know, it, it, the way you wrote it, then it, it actually makes it even more, it tugs at the heartstrings even more because it's like, <laughs> it you know, it's, it's seeing your long lost love across the room and deciding not to go talk to them, 
you know what I mean? You yeah. know they're yeah. there. So I mean that was really that that that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so I guess the, the the other question, and guys, I'm sorry, I'm hogging things right now, but the the other thing because I was. <laughs> I was struck by the fact, you know, when I knew you were going to be writing about L3 and we saw Solo and it's like they put L3 into the Falcon. We knew that. And then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden I'm reading your, you know, your story and there are two other droids inside this. So that blew my head cannon out of the water. I was like, wait a minute. There are other there are other voices in here. So I guess. Was that your decision? Did somebody say, you know, um, yeah. there's actually these other droids that are already there because, you know, I don't know, somebody already made it up? How did that come to be yeah. that there was the Millennium Collective? And you, you can explain that a little bit. Yeah. So it was canon that the Falcon has three droid brains that make up its central computer. Like that part I didn't create. Um, and one of those three is L337, thanks to what we saw in Solo. Um the other two, uh, I named them and gave them personalities. Uh, one is ED4, who is um, a corporate slicer espionage droid brain, and V5T, who is a transport droid brain. So it's like these are the the upgrades that were made to the Falcon in like as she's gone like passed from owner to owner. Um, and let's see, I I just. When I came up with their voices, I tried to figure out what would be, um, because we would be spending the whole story basically listening to these two talk to L3, I wanted to find the three most distinct and interesting and um, interesting voices and ones that had the most comedic potential. Because uh, I just wa- I wanted it to be a good time. Um, well, I and, liked it how L3 was, you know, constantly teaching them things, I think, you yeah. know, and, and, te- and, and upgrading their vocabulary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So>, like <laughs> ED4, I love her uh, upgrading her, her vocabulary and picking up all these like colloquial words because of the three of them, L337 is the only droid that's like existed out in the world and really interacted with people and aliens and like other organics and has been able to like pick up all these different things. And like L3 on her own has a bunch of um, upgrades because she started as a R2 unit. She rebuilt herself. Um, She has all of these star maps in her brain. She has um, like slicer droid aspects of her. Like she's the most advanced of the three. on a practical and a social level. So of course she's going to be teaching them stuff. Um, and it just, I wanted, and uh, I named them the Millennium Collective because I wanted something to sound like epic, but also kind of corny. <laughs> <laughs> but I think so, it kind of, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it, I think it picks up rather well with L3's personality mm-hmm. that we see on Solo because she's very much about the collective about mm-hmm. droid independence, about you know passing on what she's what she knows and infusing that into other droids so they too can be free. So it totally right. makes perfect sense for her to have joined these other two and go, wait, why are you doing this? And just right. you know, <laughs> okay, we're a collective, we're we're working together mm-hmm. as comrades in arms, and I'm gonna help you get better so you can kind of understand things. Right, right, yes, absolutely, and that's exactly what I was going for, and like I. As preparation, I read the um, the L3 gets uploaded into the Falcon section of the solo novelization. 
um, to really get like a vibe for what it was. And that makes it seem like she's being absorbed into the Falcon and like they've become like, she's just become like part of the ship, part of the crew, like that whole thing. She's just been kind of- She's lost her personality. Her individualness. I I don't believe that. I don't believe that. So I said, but what if the opposite? Um, And so I wanted to make it clear that um, as much as like the change in L3 came from her being able to work as part of this team and figuring out how to um, work well and efficiently without the body that she had built for herself. And the change she brings to the Falcon Central Computer Collective is that she teaches them that just because they are part of this unit, they don't have to not be individuals at the same time. So I like to think that like the longer she's been in there, the more ED4 and V5T have developed their own individual personalities. And especially like they've become more interesting to talk to when like R2 D2 plugs in and you know, they like R2 probably plugs in and they just shoot the sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And then in the future when BB-8 plugs in, they probably have a good time talking to BB-8, so. I I think it makes a lot of sense from what we know of L3's character from Solo, how like she leads this revolution you know, and it's like droids rights and all of this that right. she would that she would encourage other droids to kind of self-actualize. Mm-hmm. You know, these other personalities, it's like you need to develop yourself and, you know, be the best version of yourself that you can be. Um, so I, I love the idea that, that she would continue that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really also appreciated that they were female. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that with Solo. It's like there were so many great female characters in that story who just didn't mm-hmm. get enough screen time. Yeah. Um, you know, you could you could just list them right now. I mean, you right. talked about L3 and Val and uh, Emphis Nest, mm-hmm. um, you know. And so it's just, I, I really love that you were able to give L3 some more time. Yeah, thank you. I she deserved it. She's a great. It's such she's such a good character. And then you think about like and the relationship that um that they built between L3 and Lando in the little bit of them that we saw in the movie, like the great rapport that Phoebe Waller-Bridge had with Donald Glover, like all of that came through and it made them a really dynamic duo. So, I just could I couldn't I couldn't resist. I couldn't help myself. I needed to I needed to have them. I needed I was like, okay, they're meeting up again, so I need to write that. I need to write that. So d- does Phoebe know that you wrote about L3? And, I have and no idea. What what would ha- what would happen if all of a sudden on Twitter you saw that she was like, "Oh, I just read this short story by <laughs> <laughs> I would die a little bit. I would I would be uh I think my husband would come in and find me on the floor and he'd be like, "What's wrong?" And I'd be like, "Phoebe, well, Bridge knows that I wrote L3 and she liked my story. <laughs> it would be uh, hilarious because like I heard her voice in my head as I was writing the dialogue. Um so which is weird. I'll admit it's weird, but it worked. It's interesting that you said that because I was telling I was telling Brittany, uh, my wife, I said as I'm reading this, I said that the interesting thing is I, I too, you know, had L3's voice, obviously, but I heard your voice. It's it's really? it, it, through, throughout the rest of the Oh. throughout the rest of the the short story so that was it is, it is interesting uh oh, now good. you mentioned um 
you know, when you wanted to do this thing with Lobot and they mm-hmm. and they stepped in and said uh, no, um, which I'll have a tangent question that later. But were there any <laughs> other were there any other like, all right, you got the gig, but you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't. And we understand if you can't get into the specifics, but did they yeah. lay out some ground rules of thou shalt and thou shalt nots? <laughs> um, not really. They give us a lot of freedom. Um, and it's mostly like, well, the reason I couldn't do that with Lobot is because one, somebody might've wanted to write him. So then I can't be the one to like write his big character moments as a side character in a story. Like I, they, I couldn't do that. You want to um, horn swoggle somebody's idea. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing with um, some of the stuff I wanted to do with Lando, um, they didn't want uh, me to rewrite his character motivation. So I couldn't like blatantly have L3 be like, don't work with Darth Vader, Lando, it's wrong. And then have it be like, oh, Lando didn't work with Darth Vader or he turned on Darth Vader because L3 told him to. Like that would just hold, that would, suck out a whole bunch of his personal character development um, mm-hmm. in a way that wouldn't help the movie or like make the movie stronger or better or anything. So um, that was pretty much it. Uh, what else? Um, so it was pretty much, it was pretty much right what you want. And then when it went across somebody's desk, they came back and said, uh, no. Right. No. <laughs> it was, yeah. So the good thing about like having to pitch the story first is that they could find any um, they could find any holes in the pitch or find anything in the pitch that was like really going to take it off the rails. So then it was like they sent they were like, mm, not quite this. So I was able to say, well, how about I try it like this? Um, and then uh, when I sat down to actually write the story. I was able to hop on the phone with Elizabeth and talk through some like story stuff with her, figure out some finesse things. Um, Elizabeth. Uh, yeah. Um, Elizabeth Schaefer. She's the uh, editor, one of the two editors at um, at Delray cool. who handles Star Wars stuff. So she's really great. I love her. She and Tom both. So Elizabeth and Tom both um, responsible for putting this beast of a book together. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And yeah, going like getting everybody's stories to like, yeah, they all 40 of us, they wrangled us like cats and just made this thing happen. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It mostly fell on them then as far as like trying to not like step on other authors' toes. Or was there any sort of communication between authors? Like, no, 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 you can't do Lobot. I'm doing Lobot. Yeah, no. <laughs> so um, it's basically a first come, first serve. So that's why I wanted to jump on and be like, I want to write the Millennium Falcon slash L3 like as fast as I could. Because I've heard stories of people like getting in there late and then we're like, uh, you got. Uh... You get an Ugnot. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ugnots went pretty fast with this one because people are, you know, people love the Ugnots. Um, and Martha Wells wrote a really great Ugnot story um, in this anthology. Um, but yeah, a couple people, uh, I know at least one person had to do a original character cause all the fun stuff was gone by the time she, she went to stake her claim. So, but the original character stuff is also really good in this book. Um, yeah, it, we, we didn't really talk to each other. Um, it was mostly through Elizabeth and Tom 
uh, probably through a whole bunch of spreadsheets, um, keeping track of everybody and who everyone was writing. Your, and your job everyone. sounds like my job. This is you're right. working in spreadsheets and you don't talk right. to anybody face to face. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then, of course, like story group, they everything goes through Lucasfilm and story group. So they're the keeper of the ultimate keys. Like they have all of the facts and um, did you have yeah, any interaction I'll, with with those folks then, or was that through your Delray people? Yeah, so I, well, I would I sent my word doc with my story in it. I sent it to the editors at Delray, then they sent it off to Story Group, and then when it came back to me, it had notes from folks at Story Group, notes from folks at Delray, and yeah, it was cool. How long did all that process take? Take you know, in terms of time to oh put together. Goodness. Um. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. It happens so it's right. like, you, like with books, like in even this was like a really quick turnaround because it's like I knew I was doing it in February. Yes, I knew the character I was doing and that I was doing it in February. Um I think I turned in my first draft at the end of May. Um and then I think I got notes maybe like three weeks to a month later. Um, and I just like to turn stuff around as quickly as possible, uh, which is great. Right. Because if, you know, you're trying to hurt, I'm sure the editors appreciate that. So they're trying to hurt all mm -hmm. the cats. Right. Because at some point, this has got to go to a printer. Somebody's right. got to pull this down. So, which, right. which I guess bring, is, brings me to my next question is because, you know, as a musician, I know you, you, you know, you do several takes of a tune and you get it recorded mm -hmm. and then you get the CD pressed. And then for the rest of your life, you're going, God, I wish we would have done this one thing, you know, differently. Is there anything mm -hmm. as you read the story that you're like, I wish I had this back? I wish I would have taken a different turn or. Um, I mean, are we going to get the special edition version of the right. L3 story? <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> um, let me think. I kind of so two things. One, I had the instinct to like put a moment in there where um, Lando goes to the the mini bar on the Falcon and pulls like a bottle of Alderanian wine out of a secret compartment that Han Solo never found. Um, <laughs> I think it's probably better that I didn't put that in there, but I kind of wanted to. <laughs> and I did the event with um, Tom, who was the other editor for the the anthology. And I had mentioned to him, I was like, oh, I thought y'all were going to like split my story up into pieces and like put it throughout the book because they put all the stories in chronological order. That's what I was going and, to ask earlier. Yeah, because... And he was like, oh, yeah, that would have been a great idea. So I would have mentioned that. I would have mentioned that. <laughs> because that, that was my point, you know, at the beginning of our, our podcast here is that your story is, was different than any, any of them that I read in the first, you know, anthology mm -hmm. in that it takes place actually in multiple points yeah. in Empire Strikes Back. It's not just one, you know, in one speck of time. Yeah. Um, so I guess if you do, how, if you want to elaborate on that, because it, it did kind of break the norm or was that, did anybody yeah. go, Oh, Brittany, you can't do that. Or, Oh, crud, where are we going to put this? You know, right. 
<laughs> yeah, so they did struggle with figuring out where to put the the story in the in the anthology and like in the in the order of everything. Um, my story, Faith and an Old Friend, covers the largest period within the movie. There's another story that covers like millennia and millennia of time. So that's like the longest span of time in a story, full size, like in the universe. Mm -hmm. um, but mine covers the longest span of span of time in with regards to the movie The Empire Strikes Back. Um, it picks up with the when they're in the um, the space slug's mouth, thinking that it's a cave on an asteroid. Uh, and it goes all the way through to the very end of the movie. Uh, so I think they just put it on Vespin because that's where the most important parts of the story happen, uh, which is cool. I like the placement of it. It feels like it feels like it fits there. Um, I didn't even think to be like, hey, y'all can break my story up and just like sprinkle it throughout the <laughs> sprinkle it throughout the anthology, like some filet on top, like a little filet pattern. <laughs> Yeah, kind of like those concept albums where you start putting in little moments in between some mm -hmm. other songs. So that'd have been cool. No, I was <laughs> gonna ask this because putting an investment, I think, creates a really touching moment between L3 and Lando, mm -hmm. where L3's trying to reach him and Lando's more being reflective about the fact that he gambled his ship away. Mm -hmm. And he has that line that I love. It says, never gamble with something you're afraid to lose or, mm -hmm. and he's just killed you know he's back inside is this is the first time he's back aboard the falcon since he yeah so he's come a long way and he's kind of you know i guess you could talk about just getting in lando's headspace at that moment yeah so one thing that always um that stuck with me with the ending of solo is that like um like L3 gets uploaded into the ship and Lando is like, all right, well, I guess this is the new normal for us. This is cool. He, and he only gambled, he only put the ship up in that game of Sabacc because he knew he was cheating. Mm -hmm. So he, in his head, he knew he was going to win. He's like, there's no way I'm going to lose. So it's like, all right, now you've uploaded your partner into this ship and you've just lost it in a game of Sabacc. Like that, that kind of that adds to the whole heartbreak right. of it all. And I was just wondering what it would feel like to see that ship again and to know like not only is this the ship that I lost, like my partner in like literally my co-pilot is in this, like I uploaded my co-pilot to this. I thought it would be in my I thought this would be my ship forever and we wouldn't have to part. And little did I know this was like it. And I don't think he, I know they like wrote a goodbye in the solo um, novelization, but I think it happened when he, um, when he like flies off in the ship before he, before the like infamous game of Sabacc. Um, So he never, like the goodbye there wasn't the goodbye that it would have been if he knew he was about to lose the ship. Right. So it just, it just made, I just, I feel like we get these moments with Lando. Like I think about Lando in Solo when um, L3 got shot up and he goes running out of cover to like try to drag this entire droid body back to the ship and he's getting shot too, but he won't let her go. I'm like, what would, what would that guy say when he got back on the ship? 
Right. So yeah, there's a lot of heart there, a lot of sincerity. So and yeah. There there's a moment um when it, it's made clear that L three really doesn't care for Han. <laughs> doesn't really care for Han. Said she's okay with Chewbacca. Um, mm-hmm. so I guess if you can talk a little bit about that, because I mean, obviously if there's one thing we know about Han Solo is that he loves the Millennium Falcon, right? but he also, we also know that he is beaten that he's treated that thing like garbage. I mean, we were laughing about, it. we did our solo, you know, um, mm-hmm. what we just watched it and just kind of con- <laughs> did our own commentary over it. And it's when you see it, what it looks like in solo versus what oh it looks God. like in, you know, Right. It it looks like my 72, you know, Ford Maverick that I got when I was 16 years old. You know, it's, um, I guess, so what, what, why does L3, why does she not like Han all that much? I don't think she doesn't like him. I think maybe she's, she, a, she's annoyed by him. Maybe that's yeah, better. Yeah, just a little bit. I think she's, she, she has him pegged. He's the same kind of um, fast talker that, Lando was slash is, but worse at it. So <laughs> she she always gave Lando. So of course she's gonna give Han. And like he's he's just this. He he's a fast talker. He is slapdash with his and cheap with his repairs. So she's like you do. It's a. She, if she could speak to him, she would taunt him with love, but she would taunt him. She definitely would. She would clown him to his face hard. Um, <laughs> but like, how can you not like Chewbacca? Like Chewbacca's the best. Chewbacca's right. just, he's just, he's such a steadying presence at his big age of what, 200 something, something. That's 250, something like that. So can yeah. You- can you kind of talk about your your writing process for this story in particular? Um, like, you, I mean, you, you said you were already kind of coming up with ideas for a story for L3. It wasn't the one that was in the book. But so, because I've, you know, I've heard of writers and, you know, like, well, even George Lucas did it, uh, supposedly. You know, it's like he wrote this story. It's like, okay, so who is this Anakin Skywalker person? So he writes kind of a backstory over here. Do you do that sort of thing? Is it like, you know, writing separate stories to create a, so that to influence the bigger? Um, I don't know. Um, No. Well, I lucked out because this, uh, this story only had to be between 2000 and 4,000 words, which is pretty short. Um, So I just kind of, I sat down and um, I wrote section by section um, and just, kind of let it come out and wrote all the way to the end and then went through it again and filled in like missing pieces, filled in some dialogue here, um, bulked up certain moments that I think needed like a bit more buffer. If there's all of these stories have like a rhythm in my head and it's like, I, if I have to write out of order to get the words down, I'll do that. Um, like, for example, I had a story go up in the Halloween edition of The Gambit, mm-hmm. um, a spooky story about possession. And I wrote that story out of order. Um, it's in two parts. Uh, and with the second part, I wrote, like, the middle to the end. And then I went back and, like, filled in the gap in between. So with this, I think I wrote um, 
I wrote the opening section with L3 and then I um I wrote like a couple lines for V5T and then I jumped to um ED4 and Treadwell and then I think I went back and then I jumped to the end and um sent it to Elizabeth she had some amazing notes for it I did some more shuffling around and fine-tuned it then I got more notes from story group and we just kind of polished it up and yeah but yep. like I like I'm also using characters that have already been fleshed out characters that already exist I don't need to write a backstory for L3 it already it's there Lando has a backstory the Falcon has a backstory um and we see them so it's such a small snapshot that I didn't actually have to um, flesh out ED4 or V5T or Treadwell too, too much. Um, yeah, it's uh, I, I'll, if I if I am blessed with the chance to write the collective again, um, <laughs> then I'll probably have to figure out a bit more. Um, story stuff for uh v5t and ed4 but other than that it's just it's the it's the benefit of playing in somebody else's sandbox like they've sure. already done somebody else has done all that work for me all i gotta do is just now you yeah you uh you share a roof with another author in this in this book <laughs> um I'm, I'm curious as you know as did you did you guys like like, hey, you read mine and I'll read yours? Or yeah. I mean, or is it like, you know, hey, do you need me to look at that? No, go away. Go to your own room. No. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> we actually always do that. We we read each other's stuff all the time. Um, we talk through story beats with each other all the time. Um, uh, yeah. Um, I, I love his story. It's so weird. Um, it's so perfect. Uh and um, he wasn't going to do it that way. He was like, I thought about this, but uh, I think I'm going to change it. And I was like, nope, don't change it. That's what you said. You got to do that. So, um, and it, yeah. It, and we didn't, we didn't bring you on to talk about, to talk about his work. He can, he can come on the show and talk about his own. So turn up the volume and let him know. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but okay. So L3 was your first choice. What was number two? Mm-hmm. What was maybe if, what was your backup? Um, oh gosh, wait, let me find my list. I oh, made you got a, a list. Awesome list that i don't even like i i guess what's the pick the most shocking what was your second choice and then what would be your most shocking like people would be like you're writing about that person um i was going to pull the thread of that one woman from rogue one who like is randomly at the table she's a black woman in like the gold hooded robe outfit like i was gonna like pull her thread through and be like, well, when Rogue One was about to go do their mission, she was like, no. But since then, she's been like secretly helping the rebellion and all this stuff. And so you're so going to give her an interesting like, story is what you're saying. I was. I was. <laughs> let me see. Okay. Well, yes. Uh, I was going to do. Uh, oh, Lando's mom. <laughs> I was going to try for Lando's mom, who that, he mentions in Solo. That sounds like a name uh, of a rock band. Lando's right. mom. Uh, I had oh, I had Harrison Dulo on my list too. All oh, right, on. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. What do you, and, what do you think? Uh, what do you think she's doing around this time? Listen, I think we know. I mean, she she fought in the Battle of Endor. Yeah, she so. did. 
Huh. Yep, she did. With her, I think, had she had her kid yet? I don't or? know. We're going we're gonna to be talking about that here in a little bit as to, we, right. we're, we're confused about the timeline of Rebels, I think, in yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, I have to watch it again. But yeah, that's, uh, I think Lando's mom and Hera Syndulla were. So, did so, um, go ahead, Fredo. No, just going to ask right quickly, you know, do you think you'd be interested in following with L3 and from a certain point of view, Return of the Jedi? I would. Because <laughs> that'd be interesting because now you have Lando yeah. back on the ship. Right. So. The the second Death Star run, that would be mm-hmm. amazing to write. And yeah, and how the collective would feel about me and Nub being in the co-pilot seat and <laughs> all this other stuff and the messages coming over, the whole, it's a trap. Is it not like getting the shields down? And it would be a great time. They don't. Mm-hmm. I'd like to know her reaction when, you know, Lando busts the radar dish. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just, yeah. You could really there have a director's would, commentary of L3 talking write, over that whole thing. Right. I would write it for all of the, like, I will wait, like, the next, what, another almost 40 years to write from a certain point of view, The Force Awakens from the Millennium Collective oh. thing. <laughs> We were, you know, we were talking about that. Like, it would be interesting to know what she thought about Ray and you know Finn and all those characters too. Well, yeah. and if you, you're talking about, I mean, yeah, obviously L three has seen so much of it. We're talking about R two. R two has seen everything. It's like and yeah. has not spilled the beans once. I mean, um, and that's that would be that's just something. Mm-hmm you know, the droids are taken so much for granted in, in the entire saga that they could, yeah. they could tell some stories, but they're never allowed to. I mean, and of course it's always been said that R2 and 3PO were like the Greek chorus, you know, they're just talking to us about, you know, and commenting on what's going on. Um, so again, I'm, I'm a technical writer. So anytime that I write, it has to go through my editor. And there are times when, you know, the editing process is like, you know, awesome and then there's sometimes when it's like no that's not what i'm trying to say at this point did you have any of those moments where you're just kind of banging your head on the desk going you guys don't get l3 you don't get what's going on here (laughs) um i didn't get to like actually did i no so by the way i love my editors and i'm sure you love your editors as well (laughs) but it's one of those things where it's like no you don't get it no, um, I'm a, actually no. All the stuff that Elizabeth was like, we don't need this. Um, looking at the final products, I was like, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, I'm also a little like I have a pretty thick skin um, as an actor. First, um, sure. I've gotten some pretty uh, terrible and vague feedback from people. Um, like I've had somebody tell me to do something again, but make it different. Um, I, uh, an hour before curtain, I had a director tell me to change all of my entrances and exits for act two. Um, and he's like, I leave it to you. And then he walked away. <laughs> so, I, was just so thinking like, of, I was thinking of George Lucas faster and more intense. <laughs> But like even that's like a clear direction. If he was like, just do, just make it different. Just do something else. Like what? What do you do? You do you want it faster and more intense? Do you want it slower <laughs> and like softer? Do you want me to whisper it? Do you want me to yell it? Like what? What are you actually asking me to do? Um, 
but yeah, no. Um, yeah, I think I'm blessed with it being so short. Uh, I'm sure like it becomes different when you're writing a full yeah, I'm sure. novel that has to be like 50, 60, 90,000 words. Um, and uh, the the biggest notes I think came from Lucasfilm and it's just, you know, dealing with people who know the the world a little bit better than me. All right. Because uh, you, you dropped the nerd card at the beginning of this. I've, I was like going, wow, I, I did, I was not aware that, um, there were two other droids on the Millennium Falcon. Where did I, where did I miss this? And what do I, what, what summer homework do it, I need to do? Oh I, I, D- Dave, I feel like it's Fredo, do you one guys of the know? novels or something. It's on the Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I don't remember where I saw that. I guess it might've been in the solo novelization. I've read a bunch of the books. Okay. Um, I've, I've never read the solo novelization. That's one I haven't yeah. read. It's, um, it might be in last shot. I don't because, know. Because you're all like, well, it is canon that there are two other droids. Yeah, I was no, like, oh, <laughs> you <laughs> No, I feel like somewhere it's been mentioned that they're like, the three droid brains that are part of the millennium Falcon. And it might, it's like, you know how like some of the stuff that's like a carryover from legends, like some stuff Mm -hmm. made the, some stuff made the jump. Some stuff didn't. I feel like that's something that like made the jump. So right quick, how much homework did you have to do before you actually started writing all this? Um, Because you're talking about reading the solo novelization, last mm -hmm. shot, you know, you had to keep all, all this information in mind. So to not contradict something that yeah, um, um, I did a lot, but that's just because I'm like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the writing program that I use um, lets you attach like pictures and websites and stuff. So I have like the schematics of the interior of the Millennium Falcon. I um, <laughs> I kept watching like all of those specific like Millennium Falcon scenes over and over again from. Um, from Empire Strikes Back, like you got I a was tough job. literally <laughs> typing in the dial, like listening to it, typing in the dialogue, and just like I would play a little bit, and I would type, and then I would go back, and I would play, and I would type, and I would go back, and I, you'd think I was transcribing it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I did not read the whole solo novelization. I just read like sections, and then I had read Last Shot forever ago. Um, so I had that in my head, and I. Um, I thought a lot about Fleabag (laughs) (laughs) to get uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's voice in my head. And um, we have like uh, a bunch of the, I looked at, we have the making of Solo book. We have uh, the Star Wars vehicles and the the, like visual encyclopedia. So I looked at all those, Um, but I am also like an over-researcher. like most of that stuff didn't even end up in the story. I didn't even need it. Um, some of the stuff I could have just made up and it would have been fine. <laughs> but <laughs> I just, I want to be as, I want it to be as thorough as possible. Is there anything that you did make up that is now Star Wars <laughs> canon? Um. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and how proud are you of yourself for that? Um. So, uh, I made up I made up the names um the Millennium Collective uh ED4 V5T uh Treadwell 
um, their personalities are canon now. Um, let's see. Oh gosh, what else? Uh, this isn't a video podcast, but folks, you gotta listen. She looks very proud. She looks very like <laughs> she's talking about her kids. You know? Um, yeah. Uh, like I, they, uh, like the Wikipedia isn't official. Like that's not that's like run by fans, but like. The fact that I personally have a Wikipedia entry um, and like Treadwell has one and V5T and ED4 and the Millennium Collective like all have these entries. And so anybody who's looking up, like anybody who writes a Star Wars story in the future that includes the Falcon or any of these characters, like they are going to be like, they have to take that into consideration. They're gonna be there. Um, and I'm just really proud that I wrote um, like the the L three and Lando reunion kind of, and it was just really nice. So <laughs> that's great. So that is a really interesting thing. I noticed um, you never in the short story call her L three. It's always L three three seven. Yes. So that yeah. was that was a were was that a decision by you? Was that like the Lucasfilm saying you got to call her L three three seven or? Um, yeah, that's just how you so. Um, when you are referring to them, when you're referring to a droid in the uh, in the narration, you have to use the full name. Okay. And then you know how they'll write out like L three or R two, like A R T O O. Right. Um, that's how you write it when someone is saying their name. Um, no one ever actually says her name. So that's why everything, every time it's L337 or V5T or ED4, it got a little, it's a little brain busty when you have a story of all droids. So right. it's constantly like L337, ED4, V5T, like over and over and over again. Um, but yeah, it's, there is a, um, <laughs> there is a style guide and that is in the style guide. Right on. So so ED four and uh, and I'm sorry the other one V five T I know I know I drilled there, it into but my brain. <laughs> did I mean, where, did you just spin a you know a random generator or is there some sort of hidden meaning that you can tell everybody right now of like um, is ED four is Ed your grandfather or something like that you know? Um, it's actually way nerdier than that. Um, it's from Cowboy Bebop. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ed Radical Edward. Um, yes. she's the fourth. So, e and she's a hacker. So, ED four. <laughs> so I said, oh, that's perfect. Did, I did not catch that, but it, that is perfect. That is beautiful. It's it's very it's subtle. It's extremely subtle. So yeah, that's Cowboy V five. And then V five T was easy because it's a um a V five droid and it's a transport droid. So V five T. There you right. go. And then Treadwell is a Treadwell unit, a WED 15 Treadwell unit. So, yeah, that's why he's Treadwell. But, yeah, ED4 is from Cowboy Bebop. Did awesome. you come up? Did you have any other references that you might have slipped in there or, or any other um, influences? Easter eggs. Um, are you talking about, Dave? A little bit of Easter eggs here? Yeah, Easter eggs in there. Uh, let me see. I don't. Hmm. I'm trying to think now because y'all are the first ones who've asked me. Nobody else asked me where I got ED4 from. Um, and I'd almost forgotten, but <laughs> Radical Edward. Um, 
She's going to have to read her story again to find yeah, out. Yeah, you see what I put in there for myself. Cause I don't. So you're reminding me of when I watch, you know, like documentaries of, you know, my favorite bands and they're like, yeah, here's some CDs I had to listen to, to remember how to play songs that I wrote. And it's like, you wrote the songs, but yeah, I, right. but, I, but I totally understand it. It's like, you haven't done this yeah. song forever. It's like, I got to do some research. Yeah. And it's like, I wrote it in May and like May, um, May isn't that far away, but like May in 2020 years yeah. is like an eternity. <laughs> right. It's like forever ago. Um, I can totally relate to that. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I know like with the dialogue, I tried to, um, especially when C-3PO plugs in, I wanted it to be like quick and quippy and... Um, Gosh, like very. Um, well, you know, L three would frustrate the hell out of C three PO. Oh my gosh! You yes, know, and he would frustrate, frustrate the hell out of her hell too. Of her. Yeah. yeah, and like ED four and V five T are just along for the ride, and like V five T is a a droid brain of few words, um, and always very loudly in all caps. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I don't. Hmm. It's just like my, I tried to infuse it with my sense of humor, the kind of comedy I like, um, very bantery stuff. Uh, it feels, they, it feels like they interact with each other in a very like 90s, 2000s British comedy kind of way. Um, maybe a little like Monty Python-esque. Um, yeah, a little ab fab, uh some Catherine Tate in there. That well, vibe. I like that. Yeah, it's interesting because because they don't have bodies, they you know this that that kind of humor, that kind of interactions, really where they can get the most out of. You know, mm -hmm. they, they can't be slapstick. There's nothing to no, slap. Right. <laughs> right. They can't slap anyone. They well, can't jettison anyone either. Well, and no that was how much they want to. that was like getting back to my original thing about the others. It's like you know, again, I was talking about this like. Like I said, it was borderline creepy because they're seeing mm -hmm. all these things are going on. And I said, you know, if you if you ascribe to the if you believe in ghosts and that you're surrounded by spirits, then you're surrounded by spirits when you're doing anything. You're eating dinner. They're seeing you watch TV. They're seeing you in the bathroom. There's, you know, and so and that's what's that's what's going on. So, it, like I said, it added kind of a that element that I, I don't know, maybe I'm just yeah. twisted and demented, but it was no, no. I mean, I could, yeah, because they can tune into literally any camera throughout the ship and just like watch what's going on. So, like they're watching um, Han and Leia like covertly flirting in the front. They're watching them make out in the back. Like it's. It is a bit, it's, it can get voyeuristic. Um, I'd like to think that they don't tune into anything inappropriate, but who knows? <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, yeah. ED4 and V5T wouldn't know what was going on. Yeah. Um, L3 would L3 have to explain it all. Does, yeah. Right. Cause like she says in solo, it works. So <laughs> she knows. <laughs> yeah. Because that's an interesting moment when she's uh, turning the cameras on in the cockpit. Mm -hmm. When it's just Han and Leia, and it's just like, and she, I love getting her commentary and what's going on. Mm -hmm. It's very much, uh, really, girl, come on down. Yeah, right. That she, did remind me of another reference. Um, <laughs> you know that meme um, on the internet of the, it's like the anime guy with the butterfly, and it's like, yeah. is this a bird? Yeah. Uh, so the moment where 
ED4 is like, is this organic courtship? That's the moment. That's how I saw it playing out yeah. in my head. That meme. It was that meme. So once again, too subtle for anybody to peep it, but it's there for me personally. <laughs> hey, we broke news on the Who Dat Jedi podcast. This is awesome. Right? So. <laughs> ED4 was named after Radical Edward from Cowboy Bebop, <laughs> the world's greatest hacker. This is all true. Well, Brittany, this was awesome to talk to you about this. And, and as we, you know, read it more, we'll uh, probably have you back on and ask, we got more questions. You got to come back on. Um, and uh, yeah, I have hopefully to... I can write another Star Wars something. We'll see. We well, shall see. We'll... Or, you know, when my, my book eventually comes out, we haven't sold it yet, but working on that. Right on. Right on. Keep us posted. Well, cool. So, uh, shall we, shall we make a shift? And by the way, if we are going to make a shift, but if we ever want to come back to, to this then <laughs> let's, let's come back to this. Um, but how about if we shift to the Mandalorian? Mm-hmm. Um, so Brittany, I asked you before we started recording, you, you, you've been watching, uh, the Mandalorian, uh, yeah. season two. So, uh, mm-hmm. Up to the most recent episode, so we can't talk about the heiress just yet. But what are what are your thoughts of of the first the first two episodes? Um, yeah. Um, the one thought I had, I was like, I wonder how much of the violence that the child is just watching and privy to, how much it, how much the child is like absorbing that and is going to become also a ruthless killer. Like, it's like, I learned it from watching you. Okay. I learned it from <laughs> right. watching you. Um, but it just, that, that first episode back felt really good. Um, and, uh, I, I also like the, the idea that, um, like this, the empire has fallen. The rebels have now become like the new Republic. So they're in charge now and meet the new boss. Same as the old boss. Right. Only slightly different. Yeah. And if you look at like, um, like rebellions that oust the ruling class throughout history, it, you do get a bit of that. Like the, the new guys have taken over, but then there's some stuff that they do. That's the same as the old guys. Mm -hmm. Um, and it sucks to see that our favorite rebels are like that, but you know, that's the, it's the name of the game. So, um, were were you surprised that we got Boba Fett right out the gate and um, Cobb Vanth right <laughs> out the gate? Uh, I, no, actually I, I'm ready for anything. I'm like, I don't know what's, I don't know what's coming. I know it's going to be something wild, but I was like, I'm ready for, and, for and, anything. And did you all have power when that first episode dropped? Because we, my wife and I had to watch it in the dark on my iPad oh my off gosh. of Verizon's, you know, cellular network. So we, we did, power. <laughs> we did. We actually got it back in the middle of the night on Thursday. Um, we were in bed and my Google home came back on and I was like, oh my gosh. And uh, our bedroom lamp is attached to a clapper because we are weirdos like that. And so we clapped the light on and we're like, we have power. Oh my goodness. So immediately in the morning we got up and uh, and watched uh, watched the, the Mandalorian. All right. so we barely had breakfast because we had to throw out everything in our refrigerator. But, you know, we at least had that. And you are a uh, Clone Wars and Rebels nerd as well? Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Cool. Well, then 
All right, we're all going to geek out together then, because chapter 11, The Heiress. And, (laughs) you know, and hats off to, I mean, it was kind of interesting when the the title came up, you know, after they do the whole intro thing, and it came up The Heiress, and I went, ah. And, of course, my my wife was like, what? You know, (laughs) because she hasn't watched Rebels and Clone Wars. Oh. I mean, but it, but we talked about that and we'll, we'll talk about it later. It didn't, you know, it didn't ruin her enjoyment of the, the episode, you know, but then there was like a, you know, a Cliff's notes version of, you know, mm-hmm. who this person <laughs> was. So anyway, all right. Well, speaking of Cliff's notes, and this is going to be a better Cliff's notes version of little recap. Cause I actually have bullet points out now, guys, it's not just me pulling it out of my McClunky, you know, um, by the way, Star Wars Holiday Special, sorry, the Lego one, Greedo comes running in and says, the only thing he says is McClunky. McClunky. <laughs> so anyway, oh, that's the only thing I'm going to spoil for you. Okay, right. so we start off with a busted up Razor Crest um, coming into the planet, uh, and it lands a la Apollo 13, and that has been confirmed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who is the director. She said, yes, it was actually an homage, like almost shot for shot for the re-entry mm-hmm. of Apollo 13. So that was a hat tip to her dad. That was kind of cool. Um, so they they land, and Frog Family is reunited. We have Frog Lady and, and Frog Man and the tank full of eggs. Um and they send Mando into the pub bar and grill for uh, information and where he gets information from a corn and uh, baby Yoda gets eaten by a soup kind of. And that's what you, uh, I don't want to opine too much, but you mentioned it's like the baby is also constantly in danger. Mm-hmm. Like all this season, every, there's something more And here. Even his food is eating him. But anyway, okay. So they, they get sent to a boat because the, the guy who served them gumbo, you know, is, uh, knows the guy who says, go on this boat. So that's Mando on a boat and baby Yoda becomes lunch for the thing that's swimming underneath. And the Mandos fly in and start whooping on a whomping and a whooping, you know, all the corn within an inch of their life. Um, and, uh, and that's when, again, you, we notice, if you notice the armor, it's mm-hmm. Bo-Katan. I mean, so the Mandos take off their helmets and Mando freaks. He says, where did you get that armor? And that's when we learn about the children of the watch. Um, they say that he, and we'll talk about all these things a little bit later. So um, Mando goes back into town and he says, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not with you guys. And he goes back into town and a gang of corn show up, you know, a la Jets and Sharks. And uh, the Mandos come in again and save the day. And so Mando is off to help the other Mandalorians get their weapons that they need because Bo-Katan knows where a Jedi is. I wonder what Jedi that would be. Um, but anyway, um, so he, he takes uh, Baby Yoda to be babysat by the frog people. Um, so they invade a, an Imperial cruiser and it's uh, the Mandalorians are taking on a bunch of stormtroopers. It's really not a fair fight. Um, Bo-Katan is wondering where Moff Gideon is and the Darksaber. So we're, we're going there um, and Mandalorian is going to take off and he because he's got his own thing to do so Bo, Bo-Katan tells him where he can find Ahsoka Tano they drop the name not just there's a Jedi on this planet they say go find Ahsoka Tano so yes Fredo everything all the rumors that we've heard this summer might should have put money on it um 
But anyway, <laughs> he gets back and the razor crest is all fixed. It's held together with bailing wire and duct tape. And uh, he and baby Yoda go off to find Ahsoka. That's pretty much, I mean, it was a short episode. It was a short recap. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, like I said, there were some. So I guess let's do initial reactions of this episode going around the horn. Um, I'll start. It, it was this is what I needed after that second episode. It was like, you know, like I said, the first episode, they started off with their biggest hit and then they played a 11 minute, you know, ballad jam band thing that made me want to go get popcorn or something. And then they came back with their second hit. Um, I just thought this was awesome. I thought the man, they nailed, it was like you're at, sometimes you had to look and see, am I watching a clone wars episode because her Mm -hmm. armor was, perfect um but uh yeah i i loved it i I thought it was interesting that they like i said a theme that kept running through we'll talk about family here in a little bit but family was a big theme which i dug but also like like i said baby yoda is always in danger something's Mm -hmm. always going after him um and i didn't mind i i mind that it's short but i didn't feel like it was short it felt like it was a, a Oh my God. It, was, it, it didn't feel like that. that was only what 35, was it 35 minutes? 45. Really? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, so this is uh, two thumbs up for me. It was, it was really pretty good. So Brittany, what, what'd you think? What was your reaction to this new episode? Um, I loved it. I, um, I really enjoyed the episode that Bryce Dallas Howard directed in season one. Um, she did the, sanctuary, like, right? Yeah, the Seven Samurai vibey uh, episode. And so I really love this one. Um, I, uh, man, I just loved, I loved Sasha Banks in it. I loved, oh, I loved seeing both, like the, like the armor is so iconic. And I loved how um, the difference in the, the fighting style of Bo-Katan and her crew versus how um, uh, Jen fought and him being like the tank in this fancy armor and then being like these scrappy covert assassins. And every other time we've seen him fight in the show, he's been the like the best combatant on screen. So it was nice to see. It was interesting to see him like lagging behind. And it reminded me of the jailbreak episode from season one that most people hate, <laughs> but that I like. <laughs> Um, and instead of him being out in front and everybody else like lingering back and letting him take all the hits, do all this, do all that, it was him trying to keep up with these three more experienced Mandalorians. And when he tried to step to Bo-Katan and be like, where'd you get that armor? I was like, oh, no, 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 no. She's not the one you can roll up on and be like, run me that armor. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. But I sure wish she could keep a hold of that dark saber because this is what number time that she lost it. Right, and I and I can't wait until, you know, because he said, "Well, then you're not Mandalorian," and I and you know he said that to the leader of the Mandalorians, and she just had right. this. She just played it with this look, like, "Oh, son, like, you don't know." You know, like, yeah. Okay, I'm not a Mandal. Okay. You know, and I can't, I can't wait until it, you know, he comes to that realization. Cause okay. But anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> well, art, art imitates life because I saw those, the conversations like that on social media where somebody's like, well, the, you know, anybody who takes off their helmet's not a real Mandalorian. And I'm like, 
some of y'all telling on yourselves well you haven't been watching clone wars and rebels and all the rest because that's right. not how that works so, you're gonna, you gonna tell sabine wren she's not a real mandalorian yeah. okay no we're not we're not doing that today Wait, well and so we'll get a little bit deeper into that because i'm probably going to tick off a lot of people but um uh dave you have the con what what did you think about uh this uh this episode i thought it was quite good you know i um I liked the uh, frog lady happiness, you know, that got resolved well. She, you know, we put her in such harm's way last episode. It was good to see her get a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved sweater guy who's like now going to become a meme himself, you know. Somebody this- somebody said that's Ryan Johnson's uh, lasting impact on <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> Because they show they show you know they show sweater guy from the Mandalorian, then they show Chris Evans in his cable knit sweater from Knives Out. So ransom from Knives Out. Yeah. Sorry, Dave. Keep going. No, I absolutely loved it. Um, I appreciated that we kind of resolved the helmet thing because like it had become it had become a kind of a distraction. Like, what's the backstory? Like, why does is it a is it a particular sect that can't remove their helmets? Is it a reinterpretation of the rules? Have things changed over time? Well, see, okay, you know, so like, so now we're I'm just going to interrupt your recap because I'm just going to say what I was going to say because it's one of the things yeah. that always it always ticked me off. It's like it's and this is where I'm going to tick off a bunch of people who are listening to this. So I apologize, but I mean no disrespect to anybody, but this is like you know different denominations of Christianity telling people that no, you're not a Christian. I mean, I grew up Catholic, and I have people saying no, you're not Christian. It's like. I kind of think I am, but you know, I mean, I don't know what rules you follow. And so, you know, I've, I've actually been a part of, you know, I, I was, you know, I was raised Catholic. I then, you know, went to the Lutheran church and then I became Episcopalian and it was like, now it's like, no, I, I see that those are country club rules and that's what the Mandalorian It's So that, I think that's what they're trying to get across here is like, Dave, it's exactly it. It's like, you know, yeah, they're all Mandalorians, but they all have their own different little rules and din lives in this narrow you know this narrow focus dogmatic you know if you will um thanks so um but yeah yeah, it's you know they spent 30 seconds on it and it's done and like now we don't have to worry about it anymore and we don't have to argue with internet tough guy guy who's like oh those aren't true Mandalorians. you know it's like okay fine you know whatever that it's that's dead and buried. We can all move forward. So I appreciated that. Uh, Bo-Katan, obviously. Um, you know, this This is Filoni going full Filoni in a way because, you know, we're getting these tie-ins to his previous series. And we talked about that with Rebels where how is Rebels going to tie into Clone Wars? And in season two, that's when it really started to do it. And now here we are with Mandalorian and we're in season two and we're starting to see these tie-ins to his previous series. So, um, and it's, it's welcome. I don't, I don't hate it. I like it. Um, bring it on. Well, it's, it's like I said a couple of weeks ago or last week, I can't remember, but you know, what they're doing with the Mandalorian is they're pulling in all of the, you know, the, the bits of star Wars where everybody is sat on their, on their lawn saying, this is my star Wars and that's my star Wars. No, this is my star Wars. And Filoni and Favreau are saying, no, this is all connected. So I think they're doing a good job of that. Fredo, what, what was your reaction 
uh, first reaction was I loved it. I thought it was way too short. Because <laughs> I was like, when, when when the ship takes off and they're done, I'm like, wait, that's it? Then I had to go back and take a look and go, only 35 minutes? Really? You know, you give us the wrong. Imagine if they dropped all the episodes at once so you could binge watch it, but now they, they got oh, you right. renewing your Disney Plus subscription so you can get more. <laughs> Look, 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 there's a reason this is a multi-billion dollar corporation, and I'm not, but that's okay. No, I guess I enjoyed it tremendously. I'm appreciating the pace that they're keeping. They're giving us a lot of the information that we're after, whether it's the stuff with them, primarily the stuff with the Mandalorian, uh, the Mandalorians, plural, which I think is going to be one of those running threads, story threads through the whole season. Because Din grew up in a sect, kind of like what you're saying, grew up in a very secluded, isolated group of Mandalorians who follow a very strict point of view of how to be Mandalorian. And whether it's Boba Fett or Bo-Katan or other Mandalorians he might run into, he's going to get exposed and challenged as to that identity as a Mandalorian by other people. You know, another Mandalorian that comes along to in his journey. Uh, the other thing I kept that popped in my top of my head was the moment I saw the corns, you know, in that on that ship and in that in that cantina was robot when the elevator opens on the emperor. It's like I don't want my robe smelling like a fillet of fish sandwich. <laughs> That's hurtful, man. So just let it go. Just, just let, let it go. go. <laughs> so so the so I was like, oh come on, you know they're gonna be betraying him. And the moment they betray, him, I'm like, come on, man, you know they're you gonna know, betray you. I'm sorry. That's that is a very good point. It's like it seems like as Mando, you know, becomes more of baby Yoda's dad, you know, and he, the more he's, we've talked about him, he's become more vulnerable as, you know, season one went on and into season two, he talks more, he, you know, but he's also losing some of his, you know, street smarts. I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, let's just take the kid onto a boat full of these people we don't know. Everything's going to be just fine. Yeah, go ahead. Look at look at what they're feeding. It's like the rest of us were going, dude, this is a setup. You know, he's 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 kind of losing that, you know, that mojo that he had, you know, in the second episode, the beginning of the second episode of the first season where he knew that somebody was coming up on his back. You know, he mm-hmm. doesn't have that anymore. But anyway, Fredo, I'm sorry. No, no, no I was just going to add, it's interesting now that, Okay, both in episode one as well as in this episode, we've had two different, completely separate characters tell us about the value of Beskar steel and how valuable it is, how rare it is, and how the only way they can get it is to, okay, everybody jump the Mandalorian when you see him. We saw it in the opening scene when they uh, go uh, try to attack Gorkoresh and his gang, try to get him in the Gamorian Fight Club. And we've seen it now from. Uh, these corn, which is interesting that that's where we see Sasha Banks, because I'm thinking maybe this is not the first time they've done it, which maybe that's what drew Bo-Katan and the mm. Night Owls to them, because they're going like, okay, somebody's attacking people who look like us, like Mandalorians. And he kind of served himself of his bait unwillingly or unknowingly. I, we talked about Bryce Dallas Howard uh, briefly, and I just want to give her more credit um, mm-hmm. for this episode because of the world building aspects to it. I just I love the idea that the Mon Calamari and the Corins would just gravitate towards this fishing community. Mm-hmm. You know, it just makes so much sense, and it's it, they didn't like it wasn't like ham fisted or cheesy or whatever. It's like 
you know, maybe the sweater guy was pushing it slightly and the, <laughs> and the chowder was pushing it a little bit, but I loved it. It was fun. Mm -hmm. um, and Star Wars needs to be fun. So I, yes, yeah. it was very good. It felt very Maine, very like Pacific Northwest. Right. It just, yeah. But it still felt very Star Wars. And it's like, there's this vibe that, uh, that uh, ports that are chillier have and that like people who work in those ports have and it yeah. they definitely had that same vibe on this planet um was this the first time in star wars we saw a boat like no wait, no wait, wait. because uh in last jedi you had that boat that then flew off into you know it was on canto bite um, did we also see a boat, a couple of boats in Naboo and Phantom Menace? Yeah, and Attack of the Clone. I think Naboo has had a few boats, but okay. nowhere. I think this is the first time been on a boat. Right. But yeah, the the very first, but the very first scene of well, the very first time we see Canto Bite, you have that rich right. rich dude drinking some champagne ah. and kind of yeah. tugging at his mustache. They're on a mm -hmm. boat that then flies off the waterfall. Yes. Um, okay. Yes. So, um, all right. So I was when. I knew it was Bo-Katan the minute I saw the helmet. Mm -hmm. um, but then, um, so I guess, uh, and I, I mentioned, like I said, I, I, so I was at this, the nerdy geekiness of it, you know, going, oh my gosh, it is, they actually did it. Um, my, again, my wife, who hadn't watched Clone Wars or Rebels, still enjoyed that, you know, enjoyed that scene, just done it in a different way. Um so do we do we think that uh, the introduction of Bo-Katan, first of all, were you shocked by it that it came again? Did it, it came in episode three? We kind of had an idea it was coming. Um, I guess what were your initial thoughts when you saw Bo-Katan and where do you think it's going to be going from here? Anybody can take the floor. I mean, or I'll call excited. somebody. Okay, Brittany, right. you. <laughs> um, I was excited. Uh, I was hoping it would come soon because um, we only had, what, eight episodes? So we it's like y'all got to start like y'all talk, there's all this speculation of who's going to show up. We know people are showing up now. Ah, oh, but um, we're going to spend an entire episode running from space spiders. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <sighs> yep. So I mean, there has there there's always one. There's always one. Um, but <laughs> uh, I was I was very happy to see her. Um, and uh, it's I'm glad that it happened in episode three. Um, the episode four is the one that's directed by Carl Weathers. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what we get with that episode. Um, but I'm just like, bring it on, bring me, bring it. I, I want to, I want to see, it's like seeing old friends. Like whenever you bring in characters from something else, it feels like seeing old friends. And I just, I mean, it, it makes, so it makes total sense that she, she is in this show because it is called the Mandalorian. And, mm -hmm. you know, so we have, I mean, you have the, the most fleshed out characters as far as, you know, Mandalorians are concerned are Bo-Katan and Sabine Wren. And so mm -hmm. that's why I guess we don't have to talk about that. I want to hear everybody else's reactions to Bo-Katan, but um, obviously Sasha Banks is not Sabine Wren. Like, you know, people were speculating and I'm guessing it probably was. I think Dave, you said it's just because she has purple hair in WWE. Um, that people were thinking that, but obviously she's not. So, but it, it would make sense that both those characters would be in because they have, they, they are what Mandalorians are. Um, mm -hmm. and it makes sense that Boba Fett would be in it. Sure. Um, 
but I guess Dave, when you when you saw Bo Katan, you know, reactions. Um, I again, I, I kind of go back to what Fred has been talking about, which is just like you know, all those rumors and speculations that we went over over the summer are like, oh, they're all true. They all have validity, you know. So it's like, you know, maybe you can't take all of it to the bank, but. Uh, it's like okay, so this is this is where we're going. So that's good to know. Um, I think I think if uh, if they want to tell a story that so the name not to get like you know too um, I guess off in the weeds with this, but when you talk about the name of the series, it's the Mandalorian, right? And so like. The conceit is like, well, we're going to we're going to be talking about this culture. We're going to understand what it means to be a Mandalorian. And so you already kind of you, you kind of understand what how he sees the culture through his own eyes. But um, obviously his character growth and development is going to affect all that. But um, he's going to have to interact with other Mandalorians. And 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 so if you're going to tell the story of Mandalore um, or at least try to um, relate it to this specific Mandalorian, um, it makes a lot of sense to look at it from the potential, like this, this viewpoint of the leadership, what happened to the society? How can you get into like, how is the best way to get into like what happened to the society and what happened to all these people? It's like, well, Let's talk to the leader. Um, let's see what happened to her. Well, how did she lose the dark saber? How did all these things occur? Um, and so, you know, obviously to do all that, you actually have to introduce her. And so they've done that and we're going to get to move forward with it. And I'm excited. I think like ultimately that's kind of where we're probably going to end up at the end of this thing. It's going to be like, how does he define himself but as it relates to his society um, kind of finding itself as well, because I think it's broken. I mean, he's, he's kind of broken. He's this orphan. He doesn't really understand things. Um, he's trying to figure out what his role is. Um, but I think Mandalore is broken too. I mean, if freaking quite literally, um, yeah. yeah. If Bo-Katan is on some, you know, backwards, fishing planet you know off in the middle of nowhere next to tatooine um so, you know, so really i'm, I'm gonna pause you here up. i'm gonna pause you here do you think that that's where do you think that sh that's where she hangs out or do you think that uh she is that they were tailing him no i think they were after the shipping of weapons okay yeah because yeah. i think that you know the the um, and I don't know that we ever got the name of the imperial officer that that is well ever played. Uh, he's saying apparently this is not the first time. Oh, sure, that's why they have that's why they're so strongly guarded. And you know, why when he calls Moff Gideon, he's like, Well, you know, you know what you got to do if you got to take him out. Uh, regarding Bo, I think, uh, uh, sorry, Dave, let me let you finish. Oh, I mean, I was just gonna say, I think like we're gonna see him heal himself and make himself whole and we're going to see the society heal itself at large and we're going to see that through her 
them through some of these other characters' eyes. So I think that's where we're headed, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, no, so just to jump off of that, I think in some ways her introduction was almost mandated by that final shot of season one when you realize that Moff Gideon has the Darksaber. Because bringing it up, you only bring that if you're going to bring all the elements of the lore that we've gotten from Clone Wars and Rebels. Because the last time we saw that thing, it was in her hand. So you introduce Darksaber, you got to bring Bo-Katan and everything. So I love their introduction. I love the fact that they introduced her as an action scene because she's always been more of an action character than some of the other uh, characters from both Clone Wars standpoint as well as Rebels. She's always been far more, how do we solve it? You know, there's a problem, how do we solve it? Oh, I gotta go, I gotta punch my way through it. I gotta shoot somebody or I gotta do this in a physical manner. She's willing to do that. Um, I also appreciate the fact that she, uh, that they went through such a you know, lens to make sure that both Katie Sackhoff matched physically what uh, Bo-Katan's look what. And I think there was Hugh Davis sent us that video of her interview talking, discussing, because she even went down to making sure that there was a scar that Dave Filoni had designed for her character, make sure, no, no, you got to put that in there. Not I think it's a subtle little touch, but again, it's the idea of making sure that you're bringing this character from the animated side to live action as faithfully as possible. Uh, I love the fact that she is fighting. She's, I mean, there, there's the reason that they look that they're there is to get those weapons, and it's because they're fighting whatever's going on at Mandalore. She's trying to reclaim her position. Um, they're scattered, so clearly there's there's more stuff that we have not heard about what's happened in Mandalore that we're going to find out between now and the end of the season. That winter. So I, I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, one of the things that struck me, and I'll get you guys' thoughts on this, and we talked a little bit about it in previous episodes, but there is a theme this this season, especially that is becoming more and more apparent of family, um, where you have, you know, in the first episode, you have, um, you know, Cobb Vanth is. It's a little bit more loose, but Cobb Vanth considers that village that he's in, you know family you know he said he cares for them more than he does his armor um you know in the second episode obviously the whole thing is about getting this frog lady and her eggs to you know to reunite that family um you have in this episode the mandalorians are calling din brother um you have the reuniting of the frog family um so I don't know. Are, am I, are you guys picking up on that? Is this, you know, what, what, what do you think we're trying to, what, what do you think they're trying to, to get across with this running family theme? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like a family community, uh, legacy combo. Um, because the, the first episode you have these two like warring communities that have to come together to defeat this, greater evil um you have the the tuscan raiders and the the villagers and they have to work together to defeat the crate dragon um the second episode it got a little wonky for me personally um with the eating of the the frog ladies eggs and these were like the last of their species and baby yoda is just gobbling them down and it's supposed to be funny i was like that's not funny and then eats the spider baby and suddenly all the spiders hatch and it's like now we're gonna try to murder you because you ate one of our babies so that got a little weird um 
but it came back. It, the the train got back on the tracks in this last episode. Um, with the and the tadpole baby was precious. Um, and like you said, we see um, Din becoming more of uh, even, however reluctantly, he's becoming more father like. Um, he's still not quite like fully there. Like we, baby Yoda got attacked by the squid thing in his uh, chowder. We saw in the episode, he got, um, you know, knocked into the creature's mouth like he was a hockey puck. Um, <laughs> Which, by the way, we have to say, Baby Yoda, if he has anything, he has survival skills. Right. He, he I mean, he, he closed, closed yeah, he closed the hatch right <laughs> away. He's He's got good survival skills. Anyway, yeah. keep going, Brittany. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's so, like, the... It's so interesting to me, the treatment of the the frog lady in episode two versus how she was treated in episode three. Um, and it's subtle, but it's so, so different. And you can just see it in like literally the way Din talked to her in episode two versus the way he talked to her in episode three. Him like thanking her for him taking baby Yoda to them for, to have him babysat him thanking her, his like gruff congratulations because now they have a baby. Um, it's just, it's such a subtle thing, but I liked it so much better in episode three. It felt more, um, she felt more, of course she's a frog lady, but she felt more humanized mm -hmm. in this episode. Mm -hmm. than in episode, like episode two felt like a, an escort mission. Yeah. The worst part of any video game. Um, <laughs> and this one you know this one felt better and like you could see it because all the memes they're making where they're putting all kinds of like heartfelt music under the frog reunion like love lift us up where we belong yeah. and it's yeah it's great but it's uh he still won't call he like he he called like baby yoda his pet he was like i can't have any more pets at the right. end um, so he's, he's just kind of shifting slowly into, into his dad role and even him accepting the, the other Mandalorians at the end with their, like, they're hyper aggressive in the beginning. This is the way it, that becomes the more cordial, like, this is the way. And, you know, mm -hmm. I got to do this thing first and then I'll come back and help y'all. And yeah, it's, so, I love seeing each director put their stamp on the episodes. Um, and their tastes are all so different. It's good. You know, it's funny, like, he he referred to Baby, you talk about him not calling Baby Yoda, like, my kid, or anything like that, or, you know, or in an affectionate term. He called him my friend earlier in the episode, too, like, when he was ordering the chowder. It's like, mm -hmm. chowder for my friend here. <laughs> it's like, that's not your friend, that's your, that's your, that's your son, right? I mean. That's your baby, that's your baby. <laughs> you pay the child support on that baby. You are the father. <laughs> we've uh we've talked about him growing into this role right and like in some respects he's still resistant to it but he fed the he fed the child in an appropriate manner he's like my this kid is hungry we need him not eating frog lady's eggs right uh so let's get him some chowder you know there's him taking on a parental role doing the responsible thing uh, we've talked about how, like, the kid constantly getting in harm's way is constantly in danger. 
uh, seeing all this crazy violence. Uh, in this episode, he's like, let me shield him from that. Let me give him to the frog lady for a little while because stuff's about to go down. Um, and I think that shows a little bit of growth. So mm-hmm. I, I want to, because you said it, and then I'll, I know I'll forget it because I'm the oldest person here. Um, so again, I mentioned it earlier, Baby Yoda, and they're making it obvious, even at the end of this episode where you have the squid thing, you know, and you see all nine of, you know, Baby Yoda's. Uh, what what do you what what are they beating over our heads? Why are they why do they keep telling us that Baby Yoda is constantly in danger? Are they are they trying are they trying to set us up as viewers that hey don't be surprised when Baby Yoda ain't no more or <laughs> you know are is I I don't I don't know what are they, what are they trying to do because they're they're constantly reminding us that this kid is in danger. They're they're beating us over the head with the fact that um, Din is not cut out for this, mm. and and like that's the major theme. This is like because like is he gonna eventually be cut out for it? Is he gonna embrace that role, take it seriously, buckle down, and become a legitimate father figure for this for this kid, or is he gonna eventually give the kid up? Um, which is kind of like what the point is, or at least was when we started this journey. It's like, I got to take care of this kid for now. And then I guess I got to, I feel guilty about, you know, selling him off. So I'll rescue him, but now I got to figure out what to do with him. And so where's he going to go? Um, you know, and like, that was the, that was his mindset at the outset, but is he going to eventually want to adopt baby Yoda? Yeah. And I mean, a lot of it is just like the, the nature of having a toddler. Yeah. Like it's, they, it is mortal danger all the time. Like you have like kids, kids just get into trouble. And I've like this, this season more than last season, um, a lot of the danger that baby Yoda has been in has been because somebody has been trying to get to Din, not trying to get to him. Like they keep trying to like using him as bait or something to try to get that armor or, you know, he just happens to be like in the wrong place at the wrong time or something like that. He ate one of the spiders. So now it's like, okay, now we're all getting attacked. So we're all in danger. It's like, it's not the same thing where people are hunting down the child and like going for the child, it's like people see shiny armor. They see your vulnerable, like your child is basically your, or people have said like my child, your child is like your heart outside your body. So it's like, all right, I see your vulnerable point is literally right here in this little like pod for me to attack or to take or whatever. I can't like shoot through your armor, but I can sure enough, like grab this little pod thing and do whatever I need to do. Um, so yeah, it's been more of that and less of the direct attacks on the child, but yeah, it's, it's like the, this, that episode, that first season was getting to the place where he accepted that like he was a father and now it's like the realities of being a father and taking care of a child. It's like, you weren't like living solo and living solo in this fancy armor. You're really, um, invulnerable and you can tank your way through a lot of things. But 
now, no matter how much, like, even if you keep your armor on all the time, you have this external manifestation of your heart that you got to take care of and you need to watch out for. And people are going to take advantage of that. So Brittany, I'm really curious to get a writer's perspective on this because I know I've come at it from a musician's point of view. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I likened it to, you know, creating a set list. Um, pacing is so very important if you're trying to keep the audience engaged and keep them with you through this from Mm -hmm. chapter one through, you know, the end of the book or, you know, the beginning, the first tune to the end of the, the set. Um, how have you, I mean, I know we're only three episodes in, but you know, I guess I I'm going to, my point of view is I think that they're making some mistakes with pacing that Mm. because it was like the first, I I said the first episode was like, they opened up with their, their biggest hit of all time. Mm -hmm. And then the second episode, they played a ballad for, you know, 40 minutes and then, okay, we're going to, then now all of a sudden we're back up to playing another hit but right. it, but it's our shortest hit, and I'm going to tell you all, I will bet you $20 right now that we're not going to see Bo-Katan or Boba Fett or Ahsoka in the next episode. Mm. Because they keep, they you know, it keeps like, you know, hey, will you play this song? Yeah, we'll play that song next. And what they mean by next is three or four more songs down. I don't know. So yeah. I mean, what have your, what are your thoughts about the pacing of from episode to episode and within episodes? Yeah. Has anything frustrated you as a writer or am I just totally off base, which is no, totally so, possible. So, <laughs> so the hard thing, um, like, and we saw this with season one too, going through each episode week to week. Um, there were some episodes that were way slower, way less impressive. Um, I know for us, uh, my husband and I both agree that like season one, episode five was a weak point um, of the show. So it, but like now that all eight episodes are up and you can just see the full arc of the season, it, those middle weaker parts don't, um, they aren't as. They don't stand uh, out as much. Dark. Yeah. Yeah. And the the thing with doing an entire TV series versus a movie, it's like you not only have to have the full arc of the series, each little piece slash episode has to have its own like complete arc. You have to tell a complete story in each 30, 40, 50 minute chunk that then has to add up to this like giant arc thing. So I'm not going to pass judgment yet. Um, I'm going to hold out hope based on what I saw from season one, uh, where even if the middle gets a little shaky, they're gonna bring it home. I wish they had announced all the directors, because then I would be like, oh, My this director's doing this one. Oh, they're doing this one. Okay, cool. Because like knowing Taika Watiti was doing the season finale of season one, I was like, oh, we're set. We're good. We're in great hands. It's gonna be amazing. Um, but we don't know who's doing any of these episodes, and I'm just, <laughs> I'm nervous, but I'm hopeful. I'm I'm hopeful. Uh, I like Carl Weathers. I think he's a really smart um, actor and artist. Uh, I think that he is. Um, yeah, I think the episode is going to be good. I don't know if it's going to have any familiar characters um, in it, but I think it's going to be a solid, solid storytelling piece. I don't know. It'd be different if we could binge it all and just sure. be like, all right, let's just go straight through. Um, 
But now we just have to have that like old school patience of showing up every Friday night and watching the episode when it comes on TV, hoping you didn't miss it. And if you miss it, just hoping that you're, you set your VCR right and it recorded. You know, so. it is, it is interesting. Um, you know, when you talked about, uh, you know, the editing process of your, your short story that, you know, like, okay, let's, let's take out this part. Let's take out this part because it does become a necessary versus nice to have conversation. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so when you get into these, I, I do find it interesting that the, what the first episode, Fredo, you're the master of the time. The first episode was 50 some minutes, right? Yeah. And then we yeah, had we were... 45 minutes of frog lady right. and spiders. And then we have 35 minutes of this one. So on one hand, I do appreciate that they're like, this is the story. We don't need to add extra junk to it. We got across what we needed to get across. But on the other hand, it is kind of like, I don't know, you, there's, there's a little bit of feeling gypped when it's like, would you guys spend all your allowance money on the spiders <laughs> and we can't, you know, have a few more minutes of, because, and, yeah. and, and I think it's amplified as well because we are in this COVID mentality where it's like, this is our, you know, this is kind of, this is like our, our respite, right? This is our, we're, <laughs> our escape. And it's like, yay, I'm in star Wars. And then after 35 minutes, it's done. You're like, you feel, like I said, you kind of feel gypped. Um, yeah. I don't know, guys, what are you, what are you thinking about the, the time of the episode? Why do you think that they're so varying? And now I know that if this was on ABC, it's going to be X amount of minutes because you have X amount of commercials that you need to get through and everything is on the hour, half hour. I get it. But on Disney plus, they're just kind of like, yeah, this is the story. Whatever. I think part of it is, and maybe, maybe is, I mean, that's obviously a conscientious decision that John Favreau, Dave Filoni and the directors are making. This isn't by accident because if it was, I mean, they could have made frog ladies and tar arc fit into episode two. They would have put all the stuff in Tatooine in episode one, and they probably would have expanded on the Mandalorian stuff in this episode, maybe giving us a bit more of Din with the Night Owls and planning the whole attacking the Imperial cargo ship. We would have known more about the Imperials and who they are. But they clearly said, nope, doesn't matter. We're just going to go and do this. So whatever you know, the reason for it is, not sure, but they're making that choice. And I think part of it is, and maybe it's just me, they're trying to make this feel more seamless. I wonder how it's going to be once we watch all eight episodes of this season, if it'll just flow from one to another. Because right now they do. I mean, you go from the where Boba Fett turns to at the end of episode of chapter nine, chapter 10 starts with Din on that speeder bike getting attacked by those bounty hunters. That ends with him and the frog lady getting away from that uh, planet. And this one starts with them reaching... Trask. So on this one, it starts when taking off. And it's interesting that it's uh, Carl Weathers wreck the next episode because I'm wondering if we're going back to Navarro. Navarro, mm -hmm. the planet with uh, Grief Karga and uh, Cara Dune. Yeah. I think, I think that's likely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that we're going to get those two characters. I, you know, Aaron, I'd raise your bet, you know, and say uh, 20 bucks says that we're going to get Grief Karga and Cara Dune back in this episode. 50 bucks says the smells kid picks his nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, Dave Filoni is directing the episode after that. And if we're going to get Ahsoka, mm -hmm. that's the episode. It's the one that Dave Filoni wrote and directed. Mm -hmm. but, but see that, I mean, again, that's. Uh, it, 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 
I, I know I just need to calm myself, but it is kind of frustrating where it's like, uh, and you're going to go meet Ahsoka Tano. Go ahead. But first we're going to go make a pit stop over here and I'm going to go see, you know, Chubbs and, and psycho parlor yeah, lady, you know, uh, but, um, <laughs> no, I, no, but, you, but, but you know what? I mean, there, there could be, I mean, we know the ship, the race crest is busted up. That's another bet I'm gonna make. That's another bet I'm gonna make. I will bet you all another ten dollars that his ride by the end of this season is going to be Slave One, because Slave One is parked somewhere on Tatooine, and Boba Fett ain't going anywhere, and the Razor Crest is like I said, being held together by duct tape and bailing wire. He's gonna be flying Slave One sometime. Anyway, go ahead, Fredo. And I'm just gonna say, and then uh, you know, Baby Yoda's little no floaty carriage is busted and done. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, remember, you know, when they got him out of there, it was all crooked and uh forget what uh, Sasha Banks character's name was, ripped up the one of the little things to get him out and she was called not then, Sabine. He, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> from, that, from that point on, uh, uh Dan is carrying baby Yoda on his arm. I mean that that's a really good point because and Brittany brought it up. We're just like he's Yoda baby Yoda gotten really good at hitting that close button. On that yeah. thing now that carrier's gone yeah and to Aaron to your point that you made earlier like baby Yoda keeps finding himself in harm's way well like now that layer of protection his armor's gone, gone. Yeah. right yeah um <laughs> and so like we're gonna I think we're gonna see him get endangered again here yeah. real quick so because I said you know not Sabine um and we mentioned I mentioned her earlier that like I said if there are you know two characters that represent that we know more about the Mandalorian culture. It's from Sabine Wren and from Bo-Katan. Um, so Dave, this was your question. So what do we think we're going to see Sabine in this series? Um, and that's when we are talking about, like, I don't, I want to know when that epilogue in rebels happens because she's talking about how Hera and Rex fought at the Battle of Endor. So it's post Battle of Endor, but we don't know did Ahsoka come pick her up and now they're on this planet and the, you know, Din's going to show up and hey, there's, you know, another Mandalorian with Ahsoka or is Sabine still on Lothal at this point? I don't know. What do you guys think? Are we going to see Sabine? Um, should we see Sabine or are we getting too much into Rebels and Clone Wars and Brittany looks like she's going to burst? I- I hope we see Sabine and Ezra. I hope they found Ezra and they're all just hanging out and just just chilling with Ahsoka and we see them all and it's great. And Ezra can start to teach baby Yoda about the force and it'll be great. <laughs> I just I just want it, I want everything to be happy. <laughs> I know that's not what's gonna happen, but I just want it to be like, oh, now it's a happy good time and you know, uh, like these two rogue Jedi can can teach this this little baby about the Force. I I am very interested to see what Ahsoka thinks when she sees Baby Yoda, because so far no one we've met has any idea who, what, how, where, when, why for Yoda is. So mm-hmm. it'll be it'll be interesting to see this first person like recognize what this child is and yeah but if i hope we get sabine and ezra and i mean what if we get hera 
That's, that's all. But what if we? I don't know what season three is going to be, or if there is going to be a season three. Um, there is. Yeah. There is. Okay. I don't know if I can do like season three of wandering around trying to find Jedi to teach Baby Yoda to do something, or God forbid they try to give us like a, a digitally de aged Mark Hamill. I, I couldn't take it. <laughs> I couldn't. No. I, I think we will see Sabine. I, I, I think there's an interesting juxtaposition with Sabine because even within Rebels, Sabine stood apart from being your traditional Mandalorian. Most traditional Mandalorians were her family, like her family, like her mom and her brother and Bo-Katan. They're all warrior code people. They're very much, we are Mandalorian, this is what we do. She took after her dad, who was the opposite side, the artist, the creator, you know. Mm -hmm. So she has that duality within her that's very different to any other Mandalorian that Din Djarin has ever come across. I think at some point we will see him here. What I'm wondering is, if we won't see her till the end of the season with Ezra. Mm. That's going to be, like I said, final shot of season two is Ezra Bridger, it, but it's Sabine and Ezra. And then cut the black, see you all in 2021. <laughs> it would have to be after that because they haven't even been able to start shooting yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're not, but... Yeah. So that, I mean, that's an interesting thing. So in talking about this timeline here... Okay, so this is this is my what if. All right, so Din goes, meets Ahsoka, and Ahsoka's like, all right, I know this Mandalorian who can help me find this other Jedi. Because he's looking for Mandalorians and he's looking for Jedi. So maybe this is all happening before Ahsoka takes off to Lothal to go get Sabine. So you might be right that Sabine might be, you might get the Sabine Ezra thing in season three. That might be, you know, um, cause yeah, he is looking for, for Jedi or yeah, he is looking for Jedi. Uh, but I don't know, maybe that I, I'm just trying to figure out how all this is. And when he meets Ahsoka, we're going to know because it's either going to be Ahsoka by herself or Sabine's going to be right there. And he's like, wait a minute, there's another Mandalorian, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And then Sabi's gonna take off our helmet, and he's gonna be like, "He's gonna what? lose his junk again." Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So, well, yeah. And I mean, Dave, what do you think with Sabine? What are your What are you? What are your... I'm on the fence, to be honest. That's why I asked the question because, like, um, she fits both storylines. Like, she fits within the context of her being very close to Ahsoka. It's so, like this relationship, you would lend you to believe, like maybe she's going to turn up. Um, and she's also very much uh, a part of Mandalore and, and, and the Darksaber and that, and that whole backstory. So it's like, it makes sense for her to be there. It's just, I, you know, it's hilarious to me, like all these rumors that we heard about, all these casting things. Um, there was there was no mention of Sabine except for people speculating that that's who Sasha Banks was going to be playing, uh, and that didn't turn out. So I'm thinking we don't see her this season at all. Um, in, you know, maybe in a future season, we'll see. Well, all right. Well, I guess we'll find. It. And by the way, this is now I'm going to this is my get off my lawn uh, rant for the evening. Um, <laughs> If you if if you are one of those early morning you know uh, Mandalorian watchers, 
wait at least 12 hours before you tweet about it. I mean, I, I, I wake up at, you know, about five, five fifteen, and I get on Twitter and somebody had a reaction video. This is like at five 45 in the morning. And it's a person on the East coast who they also run. They do a live reaction podcast, like right after like first thing, I, I understand the the desire and you know to be first, but you know have some you know just just show some restraint on social media, folks, and don't and you know because just don't tweet about it for give twelve hours at least. That's my rant. I don't know. Uh, you know the the meme of the guy who's like with the girl and he's looking over his shoulder looking yeah. at the other girl. I saw that. Uh, I saw that replaced where it was um, uh, Boba Fett spoilers, and then he's looking away from Boba Fett spoilers at over at uh, Bo Katan spoilers. <laughs> <So. laughs> oh, <boo. laughs> of course, of course. See, I stay off Twitter until I watch it. I I I like just peer into it, and the minute that I see something on Star Wars trending, I turn it off. Um, uh, but, uh, Katie Sackoff actually that like Thursday, she tweeted, she said, is it Friday yet? And that <laughs> caught, that caught a lot yeah. of people's eyes. They're like, Oh really? Yeah. So she was, yeah, that Not interview helping. with her was good. So, well, all right. Well, I think that wraps us up for the evening. Brittany, thanks for hanging with us and talking Mandalorian, but also, but to hear your process about the, your short story. That is awesome. We're so very proud of you. Um, thank you. And that has to be, that just has to be something you'll hang on your fridge forever. I mean, that's just awesome. So (laughs) it's really, it's really great. I have to send my grandmother a copy for Christmas. I'm going to sign it and send it to her. She is very proud. Right on, right on. She knows nothing about star Wars, but she is very proud. (laughs) No, I understand. That's cool. Um, Dave, I lost the, uh, the list of how we're found our podcast is found. So tell, tell people how we can find us on online. Yes. People can listen to us on Podbean, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, tune in and Alexa and Amazon music and audible. And you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. So yeah, like I said, we all like to be uh, bothered by Star Wars stuff in the middle of the workday. It's no problem. Um, it's a nice little no diversion. Spoilers. Yeah, just no, no spoilers. spoilers. Just no spoilers. Yeah. You know, have some respect. Yeah, like right. You, like <laughs> have said, some cool. It's it's my it my little android get off my lawn. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but until then, uh, we'll see what happens with this next episode. But until then. Um, uh, everybody have a great week and stay safe and healthy. Dave, enjoy quarantine. And if you need, like I said, if you need us to drop beer off on your porch, let us know, or it just might happen. You know, the beer bunny might just show up. You never know. Um, just show up with a t-shirt can and launch a beer cans at his front door. <laughs> <laughs> that might, we, let's see what we can yeah, do, no, Fredo. No. Um, yeah. All right. Well, and Brittany, you want to tell people how they can interact with you online? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, or if uh, you want them to interact with you online. Right? <laughs> at all. No. Um, uh, yeah, you can find my writing, uh, my, um, well, my reviews and whatnot over on blacknerdproblems.com. 
you can um, find me on Twitter and Instagram at Brittany X. That's B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-A-C-T-S. Um, and you can find me on Twitch every Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time uh, where I do my weekly show. It's a flop. And I talk about movies that did not make their budgets back in the box office. It's a good time. <laughs> right on, right on. Very cool. Well, all right. Well, everybody, have a great week. And uh, let's, uh, let's hope that Drew's uh, ribs and lung heal quickly and that Jameis doesn't throw any interceptions. But until then, we'll all say who dat. Who dat. And uh, have a great week, folks. My tongue